Watch out, ye listeners. Beware. There be spoilers ahead. Hello and welcome to the After Credibles, the weekly movie discussion podcast where the least credible people you know discuss everything in the world of cinema. My name is Charlie Rogers and today on the show we have Zachary Darrick and an After Credibles newcomer, Sally Spicer. Thank you both for coming on the show. Hey. As always, an absolute pleasure. Today is the first for the After Credibles. We finally get around to reviewing a suspense horror movie. Today's movie review is A Quiet Place. But first, let's do the news. Uh, my only piece of news today is pretty basic, but I thought it was a fun little factoid about the way the industry is changing. Netflix is now officially more valuable than Disney. It hit a stock market price of $351 a share, and that puts it above the immortal powerhouse that has been going for decades. Isn't that nuts? Just to think that 20 years ago, Netflix was only just entering the streaming market. Yeah, especially considering it's still so behind with regards to awards. You know, the last few weeks you guys talking about not being able to win awards for Netflix. It's funny that, I don't know, if I was Netflix, I'd go, well, you can keep your awards and I'll keep my, uh, keep my coin purse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, it's, um, I think it, it makes me think of um, Tesla, you know, how it's like its market um, uh, value can be like as much as Ford, even though, you know, it... <laughs> doesn't actually have you know so much of the um like it it pumps out like one percent of the cars and shit that ford pumps out but it's got so much market value because people are so ready to invest in it because they see it as the future and it's obviously you know where people think things are going to be going that's what it makes me think of we're all going to be sitting on a lounge eating chips and hating ourselves forever i look forward to the future of netflix you know they never made a phrase disney and chill in the in the 70 or or 80 years or however long it's been around so cool. <laughs> it's a cultural institution what do you, what do you think about the um, what do you think about the proposition that um, you know something like uh, foxtel or something i'm just trying to think actually maybe foxtel's a bad example but um, one of those sort of more traditional services is going to be like, you know, uh, the entertainment industry version of Nikon. Oh, yeah. Look, uh, Foxtel has done a good job lately. So for people listening abroad, Foxtel is like the pay TV equivalent in Australia. And it was, like many providers, famously behind the ball on keeping up with Netflix. Um, it's, it's, it's not, I don't think it's going the way of Blockbuster because unlike in other countries, <laughs> pay TV has... Well, Foxtel has a hell of a stranglehold on licenses uh, for movies and intellectual properties in Australia compared to overseas, I'm pretty sure. So I, I don't know, like, I think it's hanging on to its power and it's adapting in its own way. But um, I feel like it's a poor man's HBO, though. It is. It's just no Netflix. It's, no. it's not a Netflix in both service quality and original programming quality. Yep. No Foxtel originals. Yeah. Uh, Zach, any news? Uh, okay, I've got an interesting one. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew about this, but I saw a trailer for this recently, and I hadn't even heard that it was in development. So for me, as far as I'm concerned, this came out of nowhere. Um, and it looks really interesting. It's called First Man. First Man. Describe it to us. Okay, it is the story of Neil Armstrong, played by Ryan Gosling. Oh, yes. I, I saw a, a news article about it briefly, but I think I must have been half asleep. I'd already, <laughs> I'd already forgotten. Um, so you saw the... What's the trailer like? Is it good? Yeah. Well, 
there's a there's a trailer out. It looks 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 pretty good. Can't wait to hear about the desperate romantic twist that was involved in him going to the moon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, it look yeah. It does look like um, yeah. It looks like Claire Foy has been um, cast as his wife, and uh, it looks like she's got a big part in it. Um, so yeah, I don't actually know much of the personal story, but I'm sure we will learn in a very Hollywood way. Yeah, that it'll be really interesting because yeah, so much of it has kind of been codified in our culture that it's i wonder i wonder how they're going to do it that is kind of worthy of watching i would be very very interested as well to see especially in the current um the geopolitical climate to see you know trying to beat them damn russians and them damn chinese to get out of space so i think it'd be quite interesting to see sort of um what the tensions were you know, with regards to, to obviously the space race was such an, uh, a way to e- exemplify that. I think that'd be quite interesting. And then comparing that to sort of where we are right now. Everyone loves a good Cold War story, don't they? Yeah, I think Ryan Gosling's going to make America great again. <laughs> I think I think he's got my vote. <laughs> um, any Anything else, Zach? Uh, there's another, okay, actually, okay, look, I had another, I think it's just, uh, the news here is that Zach doesn't keep up with, you know, cinema news, <laughs> uh, but I had another one of those experiences with, um, this trailer that, you know, crept up on me while I was YouTubing, you know, uh, woodworking techniques late at night, like I want to do. Oh, as we do. Yeah. Um, so a trailer came out of nowhere and I watched it and I was like, that looks quite interesting. Um, bad times at the El Royale. Oh, and what is this one about? Uh, it's about like a, a weird mountaintop resort in like the 70s or something like that. Uh, I don't know, but the cast looked ridiculous. It's got uh, Chris Hemsworth, John Hamm, Dakota Johnson, Nick Offerman, Jeff Bridges. <gasps> oh. It's going to be a dick. Uh, you know, I, oh. I, I love john ham and i am on schedule to watch every one of his movies that come out this year so could you imagine chris hemsworth and john ham in a room together like mm-hmm. it's just it's just offensive mm-hmm. it's just offensive to everyone i'm offended that charlie likes john ham <laughs> why because he's he's someone that charlie's clearly molded so much of his own self on <laughs> and so really you're just saying that you love yourself <laughs> oh no Zach, I know you've molded so much of your life on Chris Hemsworth, so I think you are. Yeah, but yeah, but unlike you and John Ham, I, I look nothing like Chris Hemsworth. You, you could, you could, you could be, you could be John Ham's like body double. <laughs> oh, you know what? That is a huge compliment. Thank you, Zach. It wasn't meant as one. <laughs> All right. Um. And what's what's up next, Zach? What's the next? What's the what's another piece of news you got? Jesus, you just you just juicing me for everything I got. <laughs> um. All right. Well, uh, as. Okay, actually knew this one was in development, uh, and so I've been keeping a little bit of an eye on it. Uh, but it should be coming out soon. Mortal Engines. Oh, I have seen this trailer. It looks so over the top. It looks absolutely ridiculous. But what I find interesting about it is that it's by Peter Jackson's like whole little, you know, uh, little production team. So he's like he's a producer on it. Uh, Christian Rivers uh, is the director, and Christian Rivers is the guy who's done like. Uh, all of Peter Jackson's storyboarding ever, uh, ever since Peter, ever since uh, Christian Rivers this was like the age seventeen, uh, and it's written by Fran Walsh, uh, Peter Jackson's uh, longtime partner, business partner. So it's like his whole little like little unit of people. It's their next movie. God, my friends are not that talented. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds really good. Like, I love when people like Peter Jackson have these projects that they put all their effort into and get the team that they love working with. You know what I mean? Like, n- not as much, no compromise, no issues with unfamiliarity. And it's obviously a project, like, you look at the trailer and you think, I don't know, you'd, you'd have to be really invested into this movie to want to make it, I think, because it looks so, so bizarre. I thought the weirdest thing about it was that they got Andy Serkis in um, to do motion capture as the huge cities on wheels. <laughs> they got to get him in somehow. <laughs> that's, not, that's not true. I made that up. I made that up. Ah, <laughs> uh, good one, Zach. All right, Sal, any news for you coming up? Oh, the best news. I'm so excited. So, you know, in a, in a day and age of reboots, every now and then we hear about, you know, potentially there's going to be a Friends reboot or there's going to be this reboot. And then swiftly they all come out and go, I would literally rather cut off my arm than do that again. Well, Reese Witherspoon has confirmed we are getting Legally Blonde 3, and I could not be more excited. I am, oh my God, it's so exciting. So it's coming out in 2020 on Valentine's Day, and she said that she thinks it's really interesting in today's day and age, and she thought about remaking it when Hillary was running for prayers, but we all saw how that turned out, so obviously <laughs> she uh, decided not to. Um, and now she said she thinks that it would be interesting having uh, Elle Woods maybe be running for Congress or even running for president, which I think would be delightful if they could maybe oh. um, convince Alec Baldwin to run as her uh, oh, <laughs> That would be classic. Wow, so, so 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 you're saying that they haven't even they haven't they're still on the drawing board on what will actually happen, but yes. she's on board. Oh. Yeah, so she's on board. She posted it on Twitter. Um, yeah, and I'm so excited. I hope they actually don't address her dog because her dog has been dead a long time, oh. and he was such an iconic part of the movie. Oh wow, yeah, I hadn't thought about the dog. <laughs> they recast him. He's fine. Yeah. Oh, well, um, that that's incredible news. I oh, I mean, Zach, what do you think? That's I, I think that's incredible timing that you've brought this up sally because you know that chick um you see the news that chick yesterday she got she got stabbed <laughs> what what chick what chick got stabbed the chick from those movies reese witherspoon she didn't get stabbed the she? actress no no she didn't don't did she actually get stabbed no it was reese with a knife <laughs> you missed my joke i've been waiting I 10 years to joke. say that joke <laughs> when you said reese witherspoon i said no uh, reese with a knife uh, I've, I've, I've goddamn been sitting on that joke. I've been sitting on that joke for years waiting for the right opportunity. I, don't, I haven't heard you use that joke since you used it on me when we first met, Zach. That's incredible. Thank you for that yeah. gift. We don't need a movie. I'm sated. Oh, God. It's going it's to take me another five years before I can use it in context. <laughs> oh, I'm sated. Wow. Well, that, that, thank you so much, everyone, for the news. Um, it seems like it was really a movie announcement or at least trailer announcement um, kind of news, which is good. We haven't done that yet. And um, it's good to keep up with all the new interesting things coming out. And in light of that, uh, it's time to start the review for one of the more interesting movies we've probably seen this year, which is A Quiet Place.
In a recent post-apocalyptic world, civilization has been decimated by mysterious creatures that kill anything that makes a noise. When no noises are present, the monsters are rarely seen, laying in wait to pounce on any unsuspecting sound. The resulting world is a stark, silent one, and the film follows a small family trying to survive and thrive in this new, silent world. Evelyn, the family's mother, is heavily pregnant, and when not farming vegetables to eat, the father, Lee, is preparing for the eventual birth of their baby, while also trying to find a scientific solution to keep the monsters at bay. The two children, Marcus and Reagan, the latter of which is deaf, also try to navigate their lives through this silent, strange world, and together the family deal with growing up, working together, and dealing with the complexities of maintaining a cohesive family unit in the silent, post-apocalyptic world. And look, I think ever since we saw the trailer to A Quiet Place, a lot of the After Credibles team knew that they would want to watch it. Um, I had the feeling like it wasn't a shame to show that it had a lot of ambition and a lot of heart. And when we watched it, uh, I thought it... I was surprised. I, I thought it managed to do a rare thing for a film of this genre in the way that it manages... It managed to keep that ambition intact but retain a really grounded approach to the writing and the characters and even feel like a, a fairly clever movie. I like the premise of the monsters that attack anything that makes a sound, and I think that's fairly unique. And as far as writing goes, I think it was obvious that a lot of thought went into how to sustain a movie around this concept and flesh it out into feeling like a realistic world where every element of society would have to be changed to suit this new kind of threat. So yeah, look, I feel like it was the kind of movie that you'll chat about for... A fair bit as, as you leave the cinema. I certainly know that Sally and I did. Um, it's got a lot to think about, and I felt it maintained a really consistent pace, had a lot of interesting elements, and um, I really liked the family unit and the and the cohesiveness of all the actors. Yeah, look, um, I think if I think if it wins any major awards, I'll happily uh, tickle my uvula with my big toe. Um, but that said, let me just give you some numbers here. Ninety-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes and $324 million grossing at the box office on a budget of $17 million. Wow. wow. Uh, and I, th I think those numbers, yeah, I think those numbers reflect it uh, very well. They made a, a hell of a film, um, you know, with uh, not a nuts amount of money spent. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a good watch. Yeah, look, I agree. I thought it was a really good watch. Um, as someone who does quite like the horror genre, um, I really enjoyed it. I think that, you know, with the, with the horror genre in particular, you have to be so careful with your sound economy in that jump scares can be such a crucial part of, you know, I guess how you get an audience to engage with your film. And I thought that it was really quite interesting to, um, I guess, bring that into the fold where more often than not people were whispering like they do in, you know, the really suspenseful scenes usually, or, or they weren't talking at all. So I, I thought it was, um, yeah, I, look, I thought it was quite interesting. I really liked that the uh, young girl Reagan was deaf. Obviously that was a very convenient uh, plot point that allowed them to talk um, or communicate without talking, therefore making less noise. But I did really like that, and I really like that the actress they actually hired for it is deaf. Yeah, so, look, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. It's certainly not what I would have expected from uh, from Jim at the office. Yeah, and, and he, he wrote it, he directed it, he starred in it. This is really his child, wasn't it? Oh, and can I just say I am so, so into the fact that John Krasinski and Emily Blunt are married in real life because I think that actually really did 
improve the chemistry between them and I felt like the desperation to keep their kids safe was actually really palpable and it's probably a testament to them as actors but also their chemistry and I thought that was really cool. I feel like it felt that it felt like they had a really strong focus on family throughout this whole movie that almost in my opinion it was I felt like it was more of a family film than an actual horror film. It it was it just seemed to focus so much on the family development, the character development and each each member of the family had their own issues relating to how they fit in with not only in the family but in in the greater world that they now live in I, and i and i thought it made it a really good a really good viewing I, I feel like there was there were things there that everyone could kind of relate to i think yeah i felt like they could have had more backstory of the family i would have liked to have known maybe what they were doing before the apocalypse and obviously that's an editorial decision but i felt like you know for example at the end when lee dies I thought maybe if we knew more about him, that might have hit home harder. Or even at the start where the kid dies, I just felt like they could have set all that up a little bit more and made us a bit more engaged with the family. I kind of, I kind of like uh, how they, how we, we didn't know so much about certain amount of things. You know, I kind of like that because, uh, in a way, it proved to me that you know you don't have to uh, know everything about this world or these people for you to be sort of invested in this little snippet. Uh, of their sort of like life in this little storyline that you're getting uh, shown uh, like you know I had when I started thinking about it afterwards I had so many questions about the aliens you know like like you know why aren't they just sitting in the waterfall thrashing around until infinity you know like <laughs> I, had, I, had, I had so many questions about the actual logistics of how of how this sort of like you know this how the world went to shit and how you know but you know what I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't need any of those questions answered just to enjoy the film. Personally, I, um, I mean, there's no doubt that especially, see, Nick, uh, one of the other After Credibles, and I really loved our zombie movies for a while. And there is a, there is a balance about what you don't say and how that can say more than explaining everything straight up. Straight up. And I think they did a fairly good job personally. I, I, I found myself relating a lot to the characters, not by what they may have been before, but how they dealt with adversity throughout the movie. Um, and now especially Lee, the father. Um, he, I thought Lee, he seemed to be that kind of guy who, he was, he was what I thought my dad was when I was a kid. You know, he was like, oh, I own the farm. Like I help do the farm. I help the family. I am also trying to find a cure. Also, I'm doing surveillance on the property. He just seemed to be this kind of every man that knew everything. And I felt like he was, he, he, his character was like the father figure that, uh, you know, a lot of people saw their dads as, as a, um, as they were growing up. And so for that reason, I really kind of found myself relating to him quite a lot. Um, it hurt me that he, you know, that he sacrificed himself. But I think that kind of probably rounded out the movie quite well. I agree. It was a good way to end it. And it was a good way to ensure that it didn't end up just, it made it memorable, I mm. think. So Zach, you said the monsters were aliens. Was that ever explicitly said in the movie? Because I, I seemed to have, I seemed to assume that they may have come out of like the, <laughs> the earth. Uh, like they've been dormant in the earth, like uh, forever. Or you mean like, um, yeah, like some sort of hollow earth kind of thing where they just pop out of the ground and they can't see because they're used to being underground and all of a sudden they're, um, you know, like, like, like tremors, perhaps. Yeah, well, they had elements of sort of, they had some elements of uh, humanoid in their form. So, you know, maybe it's, you know, some kind of virus experiment that went wrong, you know. Uh, but no, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it was aliens. Nice. I wouldn't be surprised. They didn't, they, yeah, I like that they didn't ever say it and they had... 
one of my favorite tropes, which is the, um, you know, the tried and true newspaper of, you know, who, who are these people? What do they want? And you see the progression of um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the press freaking out and, and that paints you a picture, which I know is really, really cliche, but I think it's quite funny um, and, and quite enjoyable. So I liked that he had all of those by, his, by his, his, his workstation while he was trying to figure out how to beat them. He just had all this. Yeah, and it's, it's like, it's like as, as the headlines are going through, it's like, it's like oh, day 12 or something, and it's like, it's noise as the headline or something. <laughs> yes. yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah, great way to, it's a great, it is a great way to tell the story. I love the newspaper trope. It's great. <laughs> also, what is Kim Kardashian wearing today? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, could you imagine if it were actually happening, it would be like, Trump says this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Trump takes them on on Twitter. Wins. Yeah. Also, also, I feel like we should. I feel like we should talk about the end shot, because some people hated it. So describe the end shot to us. You know, the sort of like pumping the shotgun and like, oh, you know, the sort of like we're right. we're about to get our own back. Fuck yeah! I okay. So the so for, for I mean, in case people don't remember, because I didn't remember until you said that, they are at their they're at their very end, trying to kill the monster that's going to attack them. And they figure out the way to kill it. They shoot it in the face after it's been basically incapacitated to finish it off. And the shotgun pr- prompts more of them to come at them. And then they end the they end the movie with a an open ended like yeah exactly like empowered chick chick pull the shotgun um and ready to go. And I I thought that was pretty good. It was like it was like come get some. I thought I mean I thought that was a good way to express how they're going to move forward from here. I would pay a lot of money to watch Emily Blunt fuck shit up. Oh, it's called Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that really, really bothered me, they, like, in, you know, aforementioned papers, they had bombs don't work, blah, blah, don't work, and yet somehow someone accidentally figures out that a cochlear implant kills them, but the government couldn't before humanity was ostensibly wiped out. Come on, guys. Shitty plot hole. Yeah. I object. Possibly. Yeah, I'm, like, I know exactly what you mean. But my my the way my way of reasoning it is sometimes society just <laughs> collapses way earlier than perhaps a cure can, or a cure or a way to kill a monster can be found. I guess my, that's my assumption on it all. Yeah. Um, see, that's what I was talking about with sort of like I, I, I like that they didn't have to explain some things. Like that is another obvious gaping potential hole but i like that it just didn't like didn't fucking bother trying to explain it they were just like look this, this is how it is yeah i see and i like that i like that we've come out of this um movie and come into this review even though it was quite a few weeks ago that we all saw it coming in and chatting about all those those juicy unknowns that make a good horror film that make a good post-apocalyptic film we don't know what happened here or there or how could we have done things differently i think that's what makes I think a, a movie has done a great job at world building when we come out of the cinema and, and do that kind of stuff. I'm sure if it makes enough money, we'll get a prequel in five years. <laughs> oh, um, I do have news on that front. Uh, sequel is in the pipeline. Oh, really? Okay. Very good. Yes, officially. I don't, I don't know where the fuck they're going to go with that. but uh... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wow. Maybe a 28, um, 28 weeks later route. Although that's something worth talking about, actually. What I, what I liked about the way this movie was made was that it isn't really, it isn't a traditional, like, obviously there are non-traditional parts to this movie. It has not much sound, no music, more or less, and they do different things regarding the monster, I think, compared to a lot of other classic kind of monster movies you watch or monster horror movies. Um, one thing I thought was really 
clever about it was again i'll talk about the world building it's really a movie not about the monster destroying society or them just trying to kill the monster the movie is really focused on how do you rebuild society or essentially live and let live like a part of like it's almost like it's an afterthought that he tends to when he can trying to figure out how to kill the monster and it's always there but it's always lingering it's never a real active part of the movie until it kind of accidentally happens towards the end and i like that element to it it's about how do you rebuild a society how does a family unit fit in how can you live as 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 far as we are understanding a normal life have a baby and have a baby yeah all those things have obviously been thought about really extensively and i think they did it in a really realistic way uh yeah i have to agree i i I like um yeah i like that they were able to uh immerse us in this like little corner of the world this little farm valley um uh, which uh, was sort of fleshed out so well that I think, I think that's part of the reason that we didn't need these sort of uh, explanations about exactly you know how come these things have not been going nuts every time the wind whistles through the trees like uh, like it, we were it was so we were so immersed in the practicalities of how these people have been trying to live with the situation like i think a good like uh, visual representative of that is the red lights the lights that turn on as as a visual alarm because obviously they couldn't use uh, like a, a, an actual alarm um, that was that was not explained once it was just you just saw that that's what it was and that's how it worked and you're like well of course that's how it would work but like they didn't need to be like well little kids look when it goes red you're gonna run inside <laughs> yeah you know I, yeah. I just liked it. it was it was fleshed out enough with these little like actual practicality things um, that I didn't give a fuck about you know the, the obvious questions that you know could have been answered yeah very cool well I, I guess we differ on that one <laughs> Um, so how about the acting guys like I love the kids um, I think Emily Blunt I mean she's tried and true she, I, I, I th- my, one of the favourite things for me about Emily Blunt is that she has time and time again and I haven't seen her in very many movies but the ones I have seen her in she's, she's shown time and time again that she can take on unique roles or just roles that may not even feel unique but add a really just a, just a good or well-rounded depth to them that you wouldn't probably expect from maybe another actress um, or from any actress in the role that they are playing. Like, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking the movie Looper. I, I feel like she was pr- quite good in Edge of Tomorrow as well. Uh, she just seems to sink into these roles where you kind of assume there's not going to be much there to the characters, and really add a lot of human depth to them. And I think she did exactly that here as well. She was great, and they said that. Um, John said that during, while he was writing it, she kept suggesting actresses for him to go and have a look at. And then by the time they got, I think, to the final draft, she just snatched the script and was like, no, I want to play her. <laughs> <laughs> and thank God, yeah, she was great. She's very, depth is the right word. It was, um, I agree, it was, it was scary, but it was also a family movie. You know, it was, yeah, it was, it was really, really, really deep, I guess. I, I really enjoyed her, her performance. So, Zach... Do you watch The Office? Uh, not the American one, no. But I do know that he's in it. Yeah, no, okay. So, is this, Sal, do you watch The Office? I've seen GIFs on Tumblr and that's about it. <laughs> so, this is really hard. I, I feel like the three of us should be also giving praise to John Krasinski, not only for his directing and the writing um, and, and enabling it to be such a solid movie, but also he, di- he did a great role as the patriarch of the family. Um Unfortunately, as none of us have watched The Office extensively, it's 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 really hard for us to 
make a big thing of how he may have been typecast as a comedy guy before he before he did this movie has he done other popular or well-received serious movies does anyone know <laughs> is he a serious actor <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure i didn't know he if was he was great. a serious guy he's so beloved in the office though mm. even just from a meme point of view like he is a prevalent meme he is very well liked in the internet sphere so i think it would have been hard for him and he did it really really well I wonder if I wonder if you could make the argument that it was it was the office that was the uh, the sort of germinating point for a class <laughs> because maybe uh, as the office as the office was going on he felt that, like he, he had this uh, sort of sense of impending doom that he was going to be typecast as this this funny guy that he was like right I'm going to make the fucking most serious thing and I'm just like my guy is not my guy's not even going to crack a smile once. Oh, it seems like the kind of movie someone would consider while they were drowning in an office environment for t- for ten years of their life. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was either going to be a quiet place or he was going to write himself as Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> <laughs> he was actually going to write himself as the monster, but they didn't go for it. Yeah, and he was like, he he wants he wants it to be the monster as the good guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants to be the relatable, funny monster. Gets his own piece to camera, like in the office. <laughs> yeah, he's great with the one-liners. Like he ki- he kills, but he's great with the one-liners. So Zach, what some things? What didn't you like? Well, first of all, I just got to say that I, what, like, okay, the thing I liked most about it was that you know it was billed as this uh, horror thriller thing, and first thing I, I was I was afraid of, I was like, uh, it's just going to be fucking cheap jump scares, uh, and so what I loved most about it was there was one, there was one jump scare in the whole thing, and, and everything else was good contextual tension, uh, so that's what I loved most about it. Uh, what did I hate? What did I hate most about it? Ooh, um, you know what? I didn't hate anything about it. It was a solid. It was just a solid film. All right. It was like there was there was nothing about it. it was like oh, this is the best thing I've ever seen. Uh, and there was nothing about it. It was like you know I can't get over this. Um, it was just yeah. It was it was it was a solid film. Uh, n- nothing bad to say about. It. I got a, I got not a bad word to say about this film. <laughs> Good. All right, Sal. Um, your turn now. What did you love? What did you hate? Yeah, look, I actually, I did really love it. I thought it was a really good horror movie and I thought it was um, a horror movie where it doesn't hurt to tread new ground and I feel like this is what it did and like Zach said, you know, it's probably not award-winning. I'm not sure whether it'll trickle down the annals of time as one of the best of all time, but it was really interesting and I think it probably set a precedent for some future horror movies that I look forward to seeing. Um, I loved the nail scene. I thought that was a really great setup. I thought... Oh my God, watching her step on the nail, waiting for the egg timer, running up to the bath, you know, something as human as contractions, you know, possibly leading to you getting your intestines ripped out. And, you know, the egg timer was what distracted, you know, it was, it was exactly what you said, Charlie, where it's about real life and how you continue on. Because, you know, like she uses an egg timer to distract him so she can run to the bath. And of course, she's having a baby while there's a monster trying to kill her. And, you know, she needs to figure out that. And I thought that was such an interesting scene. And I really, really liked when I saw, you know, as everyone did, I'm sure when we saw the nail, I knew that was what was going to happen. And I thought they, I thought it was a potential to be really cliche because we all saw it coming. But I thought it was really, really good. And I actually didn't really have anything I didn't like about it. There were questions I had, but... I think, yeah, as you guys said, it's always good to have questions after a movie. It means they kind of struck that right balance between all and nothing. So, no. I, I liked that they killed the kid off early. 
that. I really <laughs> like that. That's dark. <laughs> well, because it told you it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be, you know, some kid gloves, namby-pamby, jump scares and nothing else. Like, we're killing off a young child. Strap in, boys. It's time to go. And it was a, it was a hell of a scene. It was a hell of a way to lead into the movie, wasn't it? You know, when... You know, um, you, you saw it coming a mile off and you thought, oh, it probably won't lead to that, you know. he it, and, and by that I mean they give the kid a toy, but they take the batteries out because it'll make noise. And he's just a four-year-old. He wants to he wants to make, he wants to have the noise. He, he, has, he doesn't think. He gets the batteries and you just think it won't, it won't lead to, yeah, surely it won't lead to him just being killed, right? And, yeah. and within five, you know, this is in the first five minutes of the movie. And, I mean, what a way to, what a way to go. What a way to lead into the opening title to have him basically just swept into nothingness by this crazed monster that you don't even see a bit of as the scene plays out um, in front of the entire family. It's, um, yeah, wow. Yeah, I thought it was a hell, it was a hell of an opener. Um, I thought they handled that really well. I wanted to ask Sally. Sally, you said uh, you did sort of leave with a few questions. Uh, I wanted to ask you what your number one question was. Oh, number one question. I don't know, I guess in... My number one question was, why didn't they just live near the waterfall? <laughs> <laughs> my, actually, you know what, my number one question, besides why didn't they live near the waterfall, was why didn't she notice she was hurting the creatures when she took her earpiece off? She never, she never did see it. I think that was one of the frustrating, but it did make sense. Um, I know what you mean, though. The... The, the the earpiece that had just been recently tweaked and it starts to really, really fuck up the monsters when they get close to her. But because she's deaf, it's done in ways that she doesn't actually see it happen, which is... Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. See, that was... And obviously I had my head shoved into my popcorn too much here. <laughs> but uh, it, it frustrated me, but I think that's good because mm. if, if we were in a real-life apocalyptic scenario, I flatter myself that, you know we would hopefully survive mm. <laughs> for like 480 days, but we wouldn't die because, you know, because of some well-orchestrated monster plot, it would just be a twist of fate like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, as, it's as logical question. as it is frustrating. And I, I, I believe that would have been the point. I mean, who, yeah. Very human movie. There um, were parts yeah. about it where you just wish it could have gone a little different. You just wish that she'd have figured it out so she could have really f- scared away the monster in time that um that Lee didn't have to sacrifice himself and um yeah, those the, those things were they were as human as they were utterly utterly frustrating and you just wish that it, in a movie way it had just worked out a, a, in a different way but i think those are the things that really stick with you with this movie what did you guys think about the monster itself its appearance mm. and how much it was shown yeah look um i i was hoping we'd get to this because i do love discussing the monster in a good old monster movie um i thought he was i, th- I liked the design it seemed a little alien-esque but it was also quite unique um fairly scary they sure did show it a lot i think um um but i think that might have made the movie a little less scary than what say alien did with them not revealing the monster too often having said that um i feel like if there's an average amount of time that the movie that the alien or the monster is shown for a movie to remain suspenseful i feel like these this movie showed it a little a little bit more than they than, than what you would call the average in a, in a general suspense movie. They showed the movie, uh, they showed the monster quite a bit. So, yeah, look, I don't think that, I don't know if that detracted from the movie. I definitely think it made it less scary. Um, a Quiet Place is not something I would consider a scary movie. It's got a good, it's got a great bit of suspense. It's extremely clever, but genuinely scary, it is not, um, in my opinion. 
Um, I found Get Out scarier as a recent example of a movie that doesn't have to, doesn't show all that much and is quite I, I found terrifying just by virtue of what you don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I thought the, I thought the monster was good. I think it did the job really well. It was quite intimidating and um, and hell hell the, the 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 ferocity and the ruthlessness and the speed at which it will kill someone who makes a noise really gives you that and puts you on edge. No doubt about it, because it's not like it can make a noise and then escape. You make a noise, and it's 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 just on you. Yeah, I have to say, I think that nothing that you will ever see or be shown has the potential to be as scary as something your own imagination can create. And so, in relation to that, I think they show they show they kept enough of the monster sort of a bit mysterious. Um, they kept kept enough of it to the imagination while also showing enough of it for me to not feel indignant that I'd been like cloverfielded and I'd be like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree I I'm I'm unique or I personally am someone who really drinks it up when you get a glimpse of the monster when they do it right so I was really chuffed with the amount that they showed it because first they showed how much it could fuck you up by destroying a young child which is horrible but I, I was very aware of how deadly it was so once I saw that I was really excited to see it and I thought they did did um they did a good balance and oh my god at the end when it's hearing the sounds and it's whole all of its little skull flaps are popping off its head yeah. oh my god it was oh I was delightfully disgusted it was a hell of a reveal I think a, a way to really um crescendo everything that the monster is and see it in those unnatural ways is um it was really something i was gonna um suggest that we have a little competition all right uh between the three of us okay um sounds good sequels in the pipeline let's guess let's uh let's guess the plot Okay, um, look, I'm going to be unoriginal and I'm going to guess, this is off the top of my head, but I feel like it may be, it's interesting because you, you'll think they'll go the family angle. You'll think they'll go the angle that still retains the kids growing up and trying to maybe maybe live without their dad, um, maybe do things, I don't, I don't know, um, I, I, perhaps, I, I think that the premise will be, again, more post-apocalyptic, but a lot more rebuilding than, than living in fear and living um in spite of the monster, they're going to be living in better means, a lot like 28 Weeks Later as a sequel. But I think I think perhaps it'll still really focus on family, maybe protection, again, more of a protection angle because now they do have an infant. Well, theoretically, she'll have a third kid, an infant that will replace the, I suppose, well, not replace, but, um, but take the place in the family unit of the child that died earlier. So maybe there'll be more of a protection angle, but that's all I, that's all I think. I'm thinking themes rather than actual plot. So what do you reckon, Zach? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think they probably wouldn't have the budget uh, or really the inclination, considering the strengths of the first movie, to sort of blow it up to you know um, you know armies of humans you know fighting these things and rebuilding civilization. So in keeping with the sort of the uh, good uh, characterization community. Um, small sort of feel of the first one. I think it'll probably be like uh, they joined up with a few other people to make a, sort of a band. Um, uh, it's basically going to be um, The Walking Dead, I think, with um, with <laughs> sound aliens. All right. Well, I'm going to go a little different. I want to see grown-up deaf girl 
on a revenge path because her dad and brother got killed. And Ooh. I, maybe, maybe we've kind of got a hold of the monsters. Humans are arrogant. We think they're at bay, but of course they're not at bay and she's seen them and she knows what's what. Um, that's what I would like to see. Big revenge path. As long as it doesn't focus around silenced based cults, I'll be happy. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I, I hope they keep the human angle and just keep it a really relatable romp in this un- unbelievable this world. <laughs> Would you? Uh, I have. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sally, how did you think the sound element worked with the movie? The, the lack of noise, the lack of music, it really sets the tone for how the movie has to be, I think. Yeah, I thought that was great. And as you actually pointed out when we were in the cinema, which I didn't notice, but the non-diegetic music, so all, you know, all the, the, the sounds that were playing, the potentially the soundtrack, um, that all stopped when you were going from the point of view of Reagan, the young deaf, deaf daughter, which I thought was really interesting. And I think there was a lot of, there were a lot of nuances that we probably didn't even realise and it would probably take watching it a couple more times to realise that, I felt like this wasn't one where you were on the edge of your seat, but it probably pushed us forward a little bit. And then you sort of got to the edge of your seat and you were like, oh, how did I get here? What a coincidence. So I thought it was quite a good manipulation of the absence of sound, whereas, you know, other movies are generally trying to manipulate the presence of it for a jump scare. So, yeah, I I just thought it was really different and interesting. And I'm sure we'll get a lot of good movies that are going to credit this as some kind of contributing factor which I think will be really cool yeah and also I'm just always down for the awkwardness of trying to chew my popcorn in a silent cinema for two hours oh yeah we we showed up (laughs) with dinner and popcorn in this movie and we sat down and instantly the entire cinema was silent um the entire movie was silent and we were loudly chewing like chicken burgers and veggie burgers and popcorn my sincerest apologies to everyone uh, yeah yeah so we're following in the after credibles tradition of pissing everyone off in the cinemas through noise yeah all right i've got some final thoughts check it yo um i think uh mark foster uh who was the guy who directed world war z would have uh every reason to watch a quiet place and just cry into a pillow (laughs) Uh, because i think I think that film managed to achieve a better film than World War Z with like one one trillionth of the budget. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. It was like you know we got we we got uh, we got a small family and the you know the daily challenges they face versus like CGI human pyramid in Jerusalem. Absolutely. Come on, human pyramid. That's always a good time. Now we're closing up. How about we get some ratings down, Zach? On a scale of bad to good. Bad being non-credible, average being moderately credible, and highest rating being incredible. How would you rate A Quiet Place? I think it was moderately credible. Oh, all right. And could you quietly tell us why? <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think it was... It's, it's, somewhere, it's somewhere between... Okay, it's not incredible. It's not even close to incredible. But it's well above um, average and good. I think it was it's 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 uh, very competently made solid film Uh, if this was my first outing as director man I would be so happy with myself 
Um, I think you need a new rating system, first off, because I don't think three is enough. Yeah, what the fuck? It sucks. I said this last episode, Roger Ebert doesn't give seven thumbs up. He gives two thumbs up. You are not Roger Ebert and we are not talking in digits. (laughs) We are not constrained by our human limbs in this system. So how many digits do you give it, Sally? I would probably give it like seven digits or I would give it a moderately credible. Oh. I, I thought it was a good mix of human soul and narrative interwoven with scary monsters that made me jump a little bit and I liked that and fucking shout out to them for fitting a childbirth in there Jesus if that's not scary enough (laughs) yep no I liked it thumbs down on your review system though go look at it all right so despite our review system getting a non-credible look I I was going to be giving this a moderately credible but the discussion that we had about this movie and the things that I had to write in spite of my moderately credible, really showed that I don't think it's a fair review. I, I would give it a I would give it a, a lower side of incredible. Ooh. It is just a it's just a really so- solid movie. It does have its problems, namely for me being that it wasn't actually scary, but it was clever. It was crafted with love. Uh, it was honestly it was a, it was wholesome. The family the fam- the depth of the family drama was really wholesome, um, and it made for a good monster movie as well. I'll give it an incredible. All right, good one. Like to note that you used low side of incredible. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's <laughs> not going to expanding your scale. I I I, I, I can't believe you didn't find it scary. That's ridiculous. It, w- it wasn't until two hours after I left the cinema that my asshole relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> Was that because of all the chili you ate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the two the two things to me that made it less scary was you saw the monster too much, which I did discuss. But I think the other problem was the monster. The monster just kills you so quickly and efficiently that it, there's not actually that much suffering to have in spite of the scary monster. You know, sometimes the fear of being caught is just as scary as actually being caught. And when you know that when you get caught, you'll just instantly die. It, it's almost beyond the... It's almost it's almost without suffering. So you don't so. fear instant death. Yeah, I don't know. If so. he locked you in a cave and peeled your skin off Wait, so if- yeah like there's like the alien in alien like you get impregnated and ex- like you're in intense pain it bursts out your chest and all the while you're stuck to a goo of like an alien hive like that's a horrific way to go whereas with this you make a noise you hear rustling in the bushes and woof you're gone a and giant praying mantis lopping off your head not that scary according to charlie rogers no. that's fair Mate, I'd be, I, yeah I, yeah so it- if it ate you alive, but its mouth was the size of a cockroach's mouth, you would be terrified. <laughs> could they fly? They couldn't fly, oh, I could don't they? think so, no. I don't no, think so. okay. Look, yeah, so, hey, wasn't scary, but still a very solid movie. And the reason I would give it an incredible over moderately credible is that my, my gauge at the moment is if I want to see it again after a month... I'll, I'll, I'll call it an incredible generally and I, I'd be keen to rewatch this movie after I chat about it it's, it's got me psyched up for it again great alright well that's all we have time for today thank you for listening to the After Credibles your least credible movie podcast thanks to our presenters Sally Spicer and Zach Darrick you thank you and please have me back even though I ragged on your system <laughs> yeah well you know three strikes on your own that's my other three tier system <laughs> If you like the show, please subscribe, tell a friend, or send us some feedback. We are everywhere that you get your podcast from, so please rate and review us. I'm Charlie Rogers. We'll be here next week for more movie reviews and discussions. Thank you for listening to The After Credibles. <laughs>